0: Leadership in Lattes. I'm Trisha Ryan and I'm here virtually with my co-hosts, Crystal Roberts and Dr. Danielle Lord. We're happy that you could join us today. Today we're talking with Amy Yip about innovation, transition and happiness and leadership. So today here in the Northwest, I am gonna say it's cloudy and a little bit chilly, but um, I'm still gonna be drinking ice water So whatever you're drinking, grab your cup, and let's get going. I'm going to, I'd like to introduce Amy Yip, who is a life transformation coach certified through the International Coach Federation and the Hudson Institute of Coaching. Amy's also certified in mental fitness coaching through the Positive Intelligence Organization. After about 16 years of leadership in organizations like Google, Booz Allen, and Clorox, Amy embarked on a new career path launching Amy Yip Coaching and sorry Amy Yip Coaching in early 2020. Amy literally took the world by storm starting with volunteering at a women's hospital in Ghana. And since then, she's been spreading her message and helping followers discover their own paths to greater self-esteem and mental fitness. Amy just arrived back in the United States this week and is already working her next project, supporting and working with Asian American Pacific Island community. On a personal note, I have known Amy for the last two years, and it has been just a, a pleasurable ride all the way. Um, we got to know each other very early on when we were getting ready to go into our heads and coaching program. And through the process, we have seen each other through some highs and some lows, um, fortunately more highs. And I have just had such a pleasure watching her evolve since she got past Hudson. She, she's gone from being a leader in Google and, and now she is, there's no stopping her. I'm just so excited to be a part of it. And I'm very, very honored to be your friend. So Amy, welcome to Leadership in Lattes.
1: Oh, thank you. That was such a great wonderful introduction. I'm almost blushing. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: All true. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and start um, our interview today. And um, I'm going to start with the question we start with most of our, our guests. And that is, mm-hmm. tell us your story, Amy.
1: Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I left Google. So in January, 2020, I left my job at Google. I was living in New York at the time, so I sold all my belongings. And with just a backpack on our backs, my husband and I, we took a one-way flight to Ghana. And we went there to volunteer at a breast cancer nonprofit working with women, both survivors and newly diagnosed patients. Our initial plan was we would volunteer until May, travel the world. It was like a decade long dream of ours. And we didn't have an end date. And then there's this little thing, I don't know if you heard about it, it was called COVID. It came along, hit the world by storm and COVID had different plans for us. So we ended up getting stuck in Ghana until September. They closed their borders. We couldn't leave, nobody could enter. And so we got stuck in Ghana until September um, and that was seven months. So much longer than we had anticipated. And when borders did reopen, we didn't have a home in the US to go back to. All we had was this backpack on our backs. The US was going through that funny phase of election. There weren't vaccines. The world was in chaos. And we didn't want to put our parents at risk by coming home, so we decided. Well, we had planned on traveling, so maybe we'll just live nomadically, which worked because we're both coaches and we could work from anywhere in the world as long as there's internet. And if we could coach while in Ghana, which had blackouts and you know sporadic internet outages, then we could probably do this from anywhere. So we ended up living in the uh, in Serbia because it was one of the very few places where Americans were permitted. And then since then, we've kind of moved around living in different places every few months. And the thing is, whenever people hear this story about me, they always say, um, oh, that was so brave of you. You left Google. And, you know, I wish that I could do that. I wish I had the courage. And then they would typically follow that up with, but I can't followed by something like because of where I'm at in my career, I just can't drop it. Or, you know, I'm the breadwinner, my family relies on me or I'm at the prime age for starting a family. I need to focus on that instead. Um, You know, I have a family and can't possibly do that right now, but maybe later. And the reality is that there will never be a right time to follow your dreams, no matter what your dreams are. And I promise you, I'm not any braver or more courageous than anybody out there. It wasn't an easy journey for me. Trisha, you know it from ha- having been in coaching courses and hearing about my my ter- inner turmoil and all the things that were, were happening in my head and the decisions I had to make. You know, I felt completely stuck from all the shoulds, from everybody telling me what I should or shouldn't do, who I should or shouldn't be. Um, my career at Google was going really well. And so everyone was like, why would you leave a company like that? Are you bananas? Like people are trying to get in. Are you, you should just stay and, you know, go travel later in your life. During that time, I got a husband and, you know, my hu- husband's changed plans and he started pursuing his own venture and I became the sole breadwinner. And I felt so much pressure, like, you know, okay, I should be the stable one. I need to hold down the fort while he does his thing. And I should be responsible and reliable and wait my turn to live my dreams. And one of the biggest shoulds, which a lot of women in their 30s will probably hear if you if you don't have kids yet, is you're at the prime baby age making age. You should just have children. You're gonna regret it if you don't, right? Like you need to go do this. And we just weren't ready. And we really had this big dream to travel. And so my husband and I actually decided, okay, well, let's freeze our embryos. That's a good backup plan. And then we can try to figure out what we want to do. But then a year later, there was a mishap at the facility where they were stored. And you know, let, let's just say, I still don't know whether those embryos are viable. They they told us when you use it then we can tell you if they're viable but otherwise we just don't know and that was kind of my breaking point of okay maybe this is a sign from god and i'm not even religious but like you know maybe god is telling me something and but i didn't know what i what i wanted you know there were all these shoulds and i didn't know what really mattered to me so i went on this long self- help journey. I read every book out there for eight months and I chose to read books first because there was a part of me that felt ashamed or could I possibly want why am I being so selfish so I read for eight months all the Brene Brown books Mm -hmm. like all those things and that didn't help me and then a friend told me about ayahuasca if you don't know what ayahuasca is it's a medicinal plant that Peruvians use And it's supposed to give you clarity. So my friend was like, there's this thing, it gives you clarity. And I'm like, that's what I need, I need clarity. So I took a five day trip to Peru to do a five day ceremony, an ayahuasca ceremony to gain clarity. And they always say ayahuasca gives you clarity. It gives you clarity on what you need, not necessarily what you want. And so I got clarity on a lot of things, but not do I have a baby or do I go follow my dreams? And it wasn't until I got a coach that helped me peel back the layers of my onion to figure out deep down what mattered most to me, not what everybody else is telling me, but what mattered to me. And that's when I made two decisions. One was I need to leave Google and pursue my dreams because if I don't, I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life. And who knows, I might even unintentionally hold resentment for my future child. Plus who knows if I could even get pregnant Right. That's not even guaranteed, even if I decide to stay. So, one decision I made was I'm going to leave Google. And then the second was I decided I wanted to be a coach because that just sucked for, you know, being stuck and not knowing and, and feeling shame and guilt and all those horrible emotions and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And it's not like I could change my mind, like, you know, have a baby and then return it and, and decide, never mind, I want to go do this travel thing. So, it felt really bad being in that position. So I decided I want to be a coach and do what my coach did for me before other people who are in that situation. And so that was kind of my journey. And, and the interesting thing is my husband and I decided when in, in February of this, this past year, um, we're like, okay, we're gonna, try to start a family because we're both turning 40 this year, so maybe it's time that we start. And so we were still overseas, and we decided we'll head back to the U.S. once I get pregnant. And I heard all these shoulds again from all these people and all this like opinion. You're nearly 40. It's not going to be that easy. It'll take months or years. Like, you know, you're going to need medical intervention. You don't want to wait a year and then come home. Forget about natural pregnancy. Just jump right into IVF and IUI. And as you mentioned, I just returned home to the US this week and, and the reason I'm back after being gone 557 days is because I did not have to go through IVF. I did not have to go through IUI, didn't have to figure out if those frozen embryos were still viable. I'm back because I'm 16 weeks pregnant and it was natural and it took us two months to get pregnant. And had we listened to everyone and worried and been so concerned, like, you know, we wouldn't be on this path. But I I will attribute that mental fitness has helped me to get Mm -hmm. to where I am today. And one of my greatest learnings is that your mindset, not your circumstance, makes all the difference in your happiness and success. Mm
2: -hmm. That is such a powerful statement that your mindset determines your happiness, not your situation. Yeah, And yeah. I almost feel like it's one of those things that you have to, um, experience,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, to really understand that at the core. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, what you did on your, on your journey of self-discovery and connection to your husband and letting things go, um, really, um, got you probably to that place. Yeah. of being able to really understand that at your core, uh, that the happiness is not about the situation. So yeah, wow, that's, that's
1: yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, and definitely because you know what, like I had this big dream of traveling the world and then COVID came, I picked the perfect year to leave and I got stuck in Ghana and I, I knew what was out of my control and what wasn't. I could have sat in Ghana and just been miserable about the circumstance. But I was able to realize, okay, well, if I'm going to be stuck here, how can I turn this gift, the circumstance into a gift or an opportunity? And how can I shift my mindset? And that's actually what really helped me because I realized for my whole time at Google, I was nearly on the road every other week. I think in 2019, I had accumulated, Google timeline shows you how much you've traveled. I traveled around planet earth almost six times in that one year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get to do the things that I love, like reading and creating and sleeping. And so when I was (laughs) stuck in Ghana, I'm like, well, what a wonderful time. And so I slept and I read and I rediscovered my passion for writing and sharing and building communities, bringing people together. And that's actually what led to the unintentional growth of my coaching practice.
2: Yeah. Kind of getting back to that, following your passion and sort of looking at Mm -hmm. that first, what's my passion and the money will follow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So, so powerful. Um, So I've got the next question that, uh, and you've talked a little bit about this already. So Mm -hmm. there may be something you want to add. You have an impressive background as a leader in large organizations. What compelled you to step out and launch your own business so maybe even talk a little bit about that takes a lot of confidence and um and it's very vulnerable mm-hmm. because you can you 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 could not be successful um in a mm-hmm. business however you define success right that's that's part yeah. of the key yeah
1: so I think a key factor for this is I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit in myself ever since I was a kid. So at age 10 in fifth grade, I started a friendship-making bracelet business. At the time, I was very artsy, crafty. I could make some of the most intricate bracelets, and I would make them and wear them. And then people started asking me, oh, could you make me one? And even at that young age, I'm like, there's an opportunity here. Cause I was also, at first I was doing it for people, but then I'm like, I'm spending so much time and I'm paying for all the, the supplies to do this, right? Like there's an opportunity here. So I I ended up creating this book of samples and I started taking orders and I started, I was like, you know, testing out pricing to see what people would be willing to pay and business boomed so much. I ended up hiring another kid. teaching And this was, this was age 10. And so that's, that's just one of the many businesses I had as a kid growing up. Like I just loved the independence, the freedom, um, you know, and when I was growing up, my parents always said, if you want something, then you need to, save up your allowance and you know whatever to to be able to pay for it so i'm like well if i have a business and i could save faster so i just loved that independence and i will say that as i became an adult and grew up um, the only thing that really held me back all those years were all the shoulds all the fears yeah. right Tr- triggered by the inner judge the the judge saying well you know a large company you have more security there's less risk right Um, you you can't fail as bad at a large company. And so the thing that I realized is the reality, and I think a lot of people saw this during the the COVID times is there isn't any real security, even at a large company.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. There could be layoffs. There are risks. Um, so that that was one thing i had to also understand was just looking around and seeing that there really isn't any security it's just perceived and then the other big reason um i finally was able to step out was i've always wanted to be an entrepreneur but i just didn't know what i wanted to do like mm-hmm. i had ideas but nothing really drew me like i love yeah. baking and i kind of tested it out but then it just felt like a job when you're just baking for everybody and doing all that. Um, and so after my journey, I realized the pain and, and how much it sucked. And I knew that I could help people and I had a passion. There was just like this deeper drive and that became my mission and purpose. And it was almost like this light bulb moment, this fire in my belly and it just felt right. And, and so that's, that's kind of what triggered me being able to do that. And then also, you know, oftentimes, like you said, what happens is we're afraid to make the leap because we tell ourselves things like, well, what if I fail? What if things don't work? And so I, my coach and I worked on that. And I I asked myself these questions like, well, what is the worst thing that will happen if I do fail at my business? And if things don't work out and I realized, well, I can always go back to corporate. Yeah. Right. Right there, there isn't really much of a loss besides maybe my ego. And at least I can say I tried. Yeah. And I won't wonder for the rest of my life, what if, or what would have happened? At least I can say I tried it and, you know, did my best. And if it didn't work out, then it didn't work out. I'm going to go back to corporate. Maybe I lost a year or two of salary from a corporate job, but that's, that's the big risk.
0: How much did that message um, reside with you as you were actually leaving.
1: Um, it was it was <laughs> there's was, it was a battle in the head, right? Uh-huh. Like there's the there's the yeah. one side that's like, oh, you're stupid. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, I, you're walking out of Google. What are you doing? You know, I, I like slowly hand my badge over to the security guy. Like, do I really? want this? <laughs> um, And even even my my VP my VP loved me, didn't want me to leave. And was like, are you sure you want to go? <laughs> you know, you could always come back. Um, so it was, it was definitely like a battle in my head, mm-hmm. but I kept reminding myself, what is the worst case if I do leave? And what is the worst case if I don't? Yeah. And the, if I don't was worse because imagining mm. that I never tried it and like, I'm in my deathbed, laying there (laughs) regretting that I never tried it and wondering what if that just feels horrible. So I'm like, all right, I just have to do this. And if a year or two goes by and things don't work out, I have enough savings to get me by and, you know, I'll just go get a job.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Um, and just really thinking back about the, um, I think a lot of times people think when they see somebody take a leap that they, that it was easy. And I think what Mm -hmm. you're sharing here is that Mm. you still have the fear. Um, You still had um, the conversations going inside your head about Mm -hmm. this isn't right or not right, but it's scary, sort of scary, the fear, right? And um, it was through the support that you got through the coach. Mm -hmm. Um, and all of the the work that you did, um, for yourself that helped you sort of stay the course and say, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to actually walk out that door. Um, and that's, that's a scary moment. And it's, it's really great to hear you talk about the reality of that and that Mm -hmm. you can have um, the happiness on the other side. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's also about, um, finding ways, finding what motivates you for me uh, I don't like, I don't like saying something and not keep sticking to my word. And so mm-hmm. what I, and I know that about myself. So what I did was I made announcements everywhere. I'm like, I'm yeah. leaving, I'm leaving the world. I'm leaving the world. <laughs> right. So so I can't possibly be like, just kidding. I changed my mind. Yeah, so I, I intentionally did that. So I'm like, yeah, I need to. I said I was going to do it. I need to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I love
0: that.
3: Yeah. yeah,
2: no, that's awesome. Yeah, what a great tool. Yeah.
3: Great. Yeah, I just, I think about the connections you know, that we talked about, that we're talking about now, and what we've talked about, particularly the last time we talked, related to happiness, and um, how much the just getting on that hamster wheel and staying on the hamster wheel and thinking, well, I'm going to spin the hamster wheel faster in order to be more successful. But it actually has the opposite kind of um, uh, uh, the word isn't coming to mind right now, but it, like a ping pong effect, right? You almost feel like I'm, I'm going faster, I'm going faster, it should be better, I should be happier. But in, in fact, I'm actually feeling more miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, yeah, uh, unshackling yourself from those expectations, I think, the, all those should have's that, or, you know, the, what you should be doing that you heard from all of the, those other folks, I think is, um, it, it's, it's a lot, it's hard work. It's um, very emotionally and mentally hard work mm-hmm. um, to, to do that. And then those struggles with, but this is what I love, this is what I want to do, uh, again, versus those expectations of this is what you should be doing. So I, I think you you should um, coach me and now I need to pull the trigger and get my business license. On. I don't know what it is that's stopping me. <laughs> and and the I'm thing all set is- up and ready to go, but I I'm just, uh, I just haven't been able to. Uh, to take that next leap yet, but uh, at any rate, that's another question. But uh, so <laughs> you spent the last few years really thriving in transition. You know, mm-hmm. when we think about the William Bridges model, right, of, of being working through those those phases of um, the the endings and, and the neutral zone and new beginnings. And where do you see yourself now, and what lessons have you learned as you've uh, navigated through that uh, through that Bridges model, if you will? Yeah, I, I would probably say I'm somewhere
1: leaving neutral mm. and heading into the new beginning. So I just returned to the US three days ago. I've been gone for 557 <laughs> days. So it's kind of like a shocker being back yeah. in the US. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. I'm no And
3: you're still I'm, <laughs> and you're still lucid. I think I'd still be in bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm, <laughs> but I'm not even a good traveler. So. <laughs> So, um, you know, it's still a
1: shocker being back, and I'm no, no longer looking for the next mm-hmm. Airbnb and how what country I'm going to have to go into. And so even though I'm, I've, I physically only returned a few days ago, I think I've been going through this, the transition from the moment that I found out I was pregnant, right? Yeah. Because I had, mm-hmm. and I had time to process that, okay, there is an end coming to this chapter where I'm getting to travel freely. Um, and so I was, able to be intentional about how I wanted it to end, like how, how do I want that chapter to end and go through that neutral phase of anxiety about what's to come, what changes are coming, you know, what needed to change. There was a bit of resistance to when the change needed to happen because I'm like, but I had all these plans of where else I wanted to travel. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I'm in the phase where I'm excited about what's next. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. learning about parenthood, the journey ahead. Uh, My partner, my husband and I, we are, you know, talking through how can we be great parents and still maintain a loving relationship and not let the relationship fall to the wayside with this new life coming into our world. Um, You know, I'm, I'm energized about just settling down and having more of a routine and consistency it's exciting for me to think about the fact that I'm gonna have my own bed instead of having to figure out the next Airbnb and is their bed gonna be comfortable? And I'm really excited about the new roles that I'm playing, you know, as a mother, where I'm gonna be taking my coaching business, um, and being I, I've always coached women. And so now I bring in this different perspective of being a mother and being able to coach women from that, that lens also. And so yeah. um, I would say that I actually did a, a reflection on the things I learned about the, the travels and and things that really resonated with me. So a couple of things. One is I I realized how beautiful planet Earth is
2: um,
1: and how beautiful and magical. And oftentimes in the places we least expect it, right? Like, for example, mm-hmm. when I was in Ghana, everyone was like, oh, that must be, you know, like dirt roads and you know all this stuff but it was there's such beauty there um and so if we just take a pause look around we could notice the beauty more and the key thing here for any leader to recognize is to just pause and really try to look at things from a different perspective and see the beauty in everything around us um another thing that i learned is that despite our desire to be in control the reality is we are not in control very much. The only thing that we really have control over is how we respond to things.
2: Yeah.
0: And this is so yeah. important
1: as a leader because how you respond truly impacts everyone that you lead.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
3: I also want So wanna, true, so wanna, true. We talked about that so many times. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And the other, the other thing um, is that the world is filled with people with beautiful stories. And unfortunately, a lot of us tend to judge people before we hear their story. We look at them and we make judgments right off the bat. And if we'd only mm-hmm. sit down, listen to their story, we might recognize how much more similar all of us are, right? At the end of the day, if you, yeah. if you really get yeah. to know people, all people ever want is to love and be loved. And at the core, we, like, no human was born saying, I want to be a jerk, yeah. We, we're all filled with love and kindness. And if we can only see this, yeah. it could help so much more with the whole us versus them mentality. That's so prevalent in the world these
3: days. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, you know, as a leader, if you could see people from a human lens and see their stories, you know, can you listen to their stories and come from a place of love and kindness rather than judgment? Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I know from my corporate experience, so many leaders don't invest the time to get to know their teams as human beings oh, and treat them as so like human beings. And imagine how much that would shift, not just as a leader, but as a team, if you just got to know each other as like human beings.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, so, so beautifully said. And so yeah. it's really, I think it's the heart of what we talk about too, you know, mm-hmm. it's is that R word that <laughs> if anyone's been listening to us long enough, it's like, oh, they're going to say the relationship word again. That's really <laughs> all what it comes down to. Uh, <laughs> so, know. Well, I, they, and
1: the other thing, one more thing um, is this definitely uh, was something that I realized along my journey is how little we really need. Uh, We don't need Mm. a lot of stuff. Right. Like it, uh, and, and it actually, when we, the more stuff we have, it actually holds us back from recognizing and seeing what really matters, what we're really grateful for. And all I had during my trip was a backpack filled with the same clothes for a year and a half. And when I was stuck in Ghana, I ate the same thing for seven months. It was just omelets in the morning, salad and chicken wings for lunch, and sometimes occasionally soup. And then, you know, um, whatever was left over was for dinner. And for coffee, we had Nescafe packets. And it made me appreciate like the very first time I had a cappuccino in Serbia again, I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> but, but how this is relevant in, the, in like leadership roles and corporate world is also how can we simplify? Because I remember in my corporate... Yeah. life things are so complicated and it's like yeah we almost like to add complexity we have yeah. processes for process sake yeah. so it's not, yeah. it's like looking at processes meetings how can they be simplified are they even necessary and there's a book i love called essentialism and a mantra from the book is if it isn't an f yeah it should be a no mm. with <laughs> yeah. everything yeah. how you spend your yeah. time whether you have a meeting, whether you should buy that outfit or keep, keep the shirt in your closet. Like if it is not an F yeah and you're pumping your fist, it's a no. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So great. I I think, I think you're so spot on about the over overly complicating things in business. And it Mm -hmm. just drives me crazy when we make things so complicated. so complex. And I just, how is this engaging people, right? When you have to Mm -hmm study a document uh, to the nth degree, just to be able to understand how to, how to get from point A to point B. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that uh, really resonates with me. I
0: find that every day that I work as a business partner, because I have people who just want an answer. And I have to go through so many Mm -hmm. hoops to find that answer. And often, Mm -hmm. there were 14 other Mm -hmm. answers I had to get along the way to get to it. It's like, oh,
1: please. So, and then you have meetings to have to, to meetings about uh, meetings. Like, let's talk about how we want to run that meeting, and let's meet about
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. Must have been on my uh, on my computer yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, I want to know. Um, you've you've already kind of talked about this, but how? Have, the world events, and we all know what world events we're talking about. You said you came back in the United, you, you stayed away at a time when some of these things were happening, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So how has that impacted or influenced your current
1: work? So um, it reawakened a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in high school and college, I even early in my career, I was very, very passionate about working with the Asian American Pacific Islander community. I come from a very traditional Chinese household. My parents are immigrants. I used to get made fun of as a child, you know, and I'm just very passionate about empowering people in the community. And I think that fizzled along the way because of shame, because, um, you know, there's all this stigma around being Asian American, um, at, at Google. <laughs> Uh, the Asians are the ones like they bring their entire families into the cafes and their ca- families are like just eating and taking boxes of food away. And there's just all this like stories. So I kind of tried to step away from that and not be associated to it. And so with everything that was happening in the world, um, actually a year ago when I was trying to decide and hone in on who exactly is it that I want to serve, a big part of me wanted to work with um, Asian American women, but I chickened out and Mm. a big piece of it was I chickened out because it was harder. Mm. It's hard to get them to want to hire a coach and to want to work on themselves for a variety of reasons. There's, um, they don't want to invest in themselves because of scarcity mindset, right? Like that's one big piece. Um, you're also in, in our, In our community, we're taught you're not supposed to share what's really going on and share vulnerabilities, right? Like, that's why I went on an eight month reading journey. Um, You're supposed to be smart enough to figure things out on your own. So, why would you get somebody else's help? That just means you're stupid. And there's also just this discomfort with doing the inner work and the emotions and the feelings. Like, if you met me, Three, four years ago, I would have armor on and I'd be like, I'm this strong woman. I don't have <laughs> vulnerabilities. Like, what are you talking about? And so, all of these things kind of held me back. It, it made me too scared. So, I went more broad and I said, Okay, I'm going to just work with women more broadly, high achieving women who are stuck, you know. um, But then I started running workshops, I started doing um, sessions with. Some Asian American organizations, alumni organizations, groups, and I started running workshops on like mental fitness. And so I started doing that in at the end of last year, beginning of this year, and I started noticing this pattern. So like mental fitness workshop, people would show up. They wouldn't have their cameras on. They would put fake names in because they didn't want to be known that they were there. Wow. And. So I realized like, and and we, we actually talked about it. I encouraged them to turn on their cameras, you know, and we talked about it and there is all this like, you know, well, we're not supposed to talk about this stuff and I don't want to be seen doing this. Right. Um, and so earlier this year, I talked to a bunch of people and they want to be able to have a safe space, but they don't want to be known you know like so I actually created something called APA Real Talks and I kicked it off earlier this year and it's a monthly free series and it's a place where we explore typically taboo topics within the community everything from emotions and feelings Mm -hmm. our relationship with our parents um mental well-being you know how we define success because there's so much pressure from parents and, and the community that success is about how much you achieve your title, whether you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer, your salary, all those things. Um, and so I found that there was this need to have just this safe environment where people could come together, have these conversations, break that cycle of silence, and just even starting to feel comfortable being able to have the conversations. And it's been wildly successful. Like. A dozen or two every single time and people really feel supported Um, Mm -hmm. and they're very open and starting to learn to be vulnerable so I'm really enjoying that and then um, I've started speaking and doing more workshops for the community, uh, leading organizations for their ERGs through that and then also um, at a, a bunch of leadership nonprofits. So, I'm speaking and running a mental fitness workshop this weekend for one of the largest Chinese organizations, and then next week at a leadership convention. And then I've been starting my own um, Asian American Pacific Islander groups, like within, I don't know if you've ever heard of DWEN. DWEN is the Dell Women's business leader platform Uh and so i've been working with them to start start a a group over there for um asian women business leaders on their platform so very very uh, now that i'm back i'm basically investing a lot of my time and energy into supporting that community
0: it's like a probably an under um, represented niche in itself i mean that yeah Image. That's Yeah, that
1: fabulous. Yeah. and actually, my favorite project is I am writing a book. Um, oh, wow. And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> my, my aim is to, to finish that ASAP. I've been, I've been writing it. It's been slow. Um, but it's a lot of children of immigrants have these, we have these stories in our head about what our parents think about everything from interracial dating to success to, um, you know, Like Asian parents don't really say, I love you. They don't show affection. Mm -hmm. And so there's this like belief that they don't love us, but yet there's Mm -hmm. this fear to have that conversation with parents. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have these stories in our head, but we don't actually talk to the parents and the parents don't really have an opportunity to share their story as real human beings. And so what I'm doing is I'm writing a book about different topics my story and my perspective. And then I'm interviewing my parents to get their side, Mm. to see what they think. And then um, I'm including like worksheets and, um, you know, questions to try to encourage people to use that as a tool to have conversations with their parents.
0: Nice. Love that. This is so healthy. And you know, right now there's such an emphasis on Um, equity, diversity, and inclusion Mm -hmm. throughout the United States, especially now, you know, since we went through so much unrest last year during COVID and Mm -hmm. obviously for many years before that, but it really came to a head last year, I think. And so even in our business, we we see that we have an office of equity, diversity, and inclusion. It's, It's the emphasis now is probably right where it needs to be. It may mm-hmm. feel like it's overkill for some people because they're not used to it, but yeah, we're We're now hearing probably truths that we never heard before. Yeah. It's really cool. That's
1: yeah, it. and and I, I think, you know, back to, so the, the, the whole thing with stories I, I, I talked about earlier, like, you know, getting to know people and hearing their stories as leaders, doing it with your coworkers and your, your team, It's also with parents because, and and this goes beyond the Asian American community, but like, you know, we all have stories about our parents and we don't see our parents as as human beings. We don't know their stories. And at the end of the day, they love telling their story, right? Mm -hmm. They love feeling heard also. And while they're still here, while they can still remember, it's amazing. Like my, I, my relationship with my parents has strengthened so much by me just asking them, tell me about your childhood. What were your dreams? What did mm-hmm. you love doing? What were your fears? Right? Like, what was it like when I popped out? <laughs> what was I like as a child? And, and they just love talking about it. That's,
2: that's amazing. And I, I love also your, your theme around um, the, the book fits well within kind of your um, your sort of business model, maybe, and mm-hmm. it's probably too strong of a word, but um, about sort of really recognizing um, love and kindness and being human. And I think that mm-hmm. book um, yeah. and the fact that you have the worksheets that go with it so that you're yeah. not only telling yeah. your own story, but you're giving a way for other people to do that as well, so that mm-hmm. they can also make that connection around the love and the kindness and being human With your own parents and your own family and I think I mean that just really touches me so I think that's amazing and um let us know how how you're doing on that um and we will (laughs) we'll shoot it out to all of our networks when when you get that (laughs) book done because that that's amazing thank you yeah Yeah.
3: very needed right now at this point in uh, our our world yeah
2: love that so I've got one last question because I know we've Mm got to wrap it up but um, and you've talked, you know, you've talked about your book. Um, you've talked about some of the uh, the coaching that you're doing and the groups that you're putting together. Um, anything else as you look ahead? What excites you about what you're doing,
1: learning, or launching? Um, two things probably that I haven't mentioned. One is the I'm taking a somatic Strozy class. Oh, um, Strozy somatic certification course yeah. and. Um, You know, I've learned through while I was in Ghana, I took some of their courses online and I've learned that the body just holds so much information and it's where we hold our conditioned tendencies, our ways of being, our emotions, and it's deep within us. And if you can tap into what is happening in your body and take that pause, like that is key to so much change. And I've been able to leverage that with my clients, but also more importantly with myself and it's been so powerful. So I'm really excited about that. And the other thing is just launching my child into the world. Yes, (laughs) yes.
2: so exciting. Yes, for sure. So, and I want to encourage
0: anybody who's listening and our own podmates here to you know go on to LinkedIn and check out Amy's LinkedIn posts. They are great. They're energetic. They are thought provoking. They are comforting it's just I love reading them and you were talking about things you've learned um she has a huge list and I was reading through it not too long ago the other day as a matter of fact I think and I was just thinking good grief you know there are people who go their entire lives and they never have the realizations that you've had in the last year and a half or two years just amazing so I'm, I'm so glad you do that and don't stop because that's one of my favorite places to visit. So. <laughs> right. so, I, in, in closing, you know, I want to remind our audience to send their questions about leadership and leading in these unprecedented times. And we'll try to answer them on air in an upcoming podcast. Send your questions to leadershipandlattes at gmail.com. That's leadership A-N-D lattes at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about us and our show, please go to the pinnacle That's the pinnacle cc, all one word.com. Technical support is through our chance robbers. And lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, And share with other leaders like yourself that you think would benefit from our podcast. I want to thank Amy Yip for being our wonderful, um, speaker today we really enjoyed it this was a it was a fun conversation i also want to thank danielle lord and crystal roberts for co-hosting with me and i look forward to our next podcast so thank you audience for listening and we will hopefully
2: see you back here the next time. it was great so inspirational thank you